Welcome back to the Funding University podcast. Today we have Mike Scott with us. Mike is an in-demand expert on accountability. He started his company, Totally Accountable Systems, 30 years ago and has worked with over 3,000 companies worldwide. His belief is every employee should be your best employee. Mike's proven accountability process eliminates the behavior that costs companies money. Mike is here today to share his secrets to turning good companies into industry leaders and customers into lifelong fans. So help me welcome Mike Scott. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Seth. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. Uh, so Mike, I've known you for a long time, but our listeners haven't. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? How did you break into the business world? Well, I'll tell you, I was born and raised in a little town called Fargo, North Dakota. Got an undergraduate degree in business, a master's degree in psychology, and I was going to get my doctorate. I didn't have that happen. You notice you didn't call me Dr. Scott. Yes. The Army came along and actually drafted me and wow. put me into officer candidate school. And I learned how to be a second lieutenant in the Army. I spent a year in Vietnam, and I'll tell you, that had an impact on me. I learned about accountability. I'm alive because of accountability in Vietnam. When I came back alive and well, thank goodness, I went to work for a company called Reed Tool Company in Houston, Texas. They made drill bits for the oil field. And I was responsible for all the recruiting, all the training in that company. We built that company from 3,500 people to 5,500 people, and then the oil business died. And so eventually I got laid off like thousands of other people did. In fact, the company's now gone and there weren't any jobs in Houston. There weren't any jobs in Texas. The oil business had died. So I didn't have any choice about what I was going to do. I decided I'm going to start my own business. And fortunately I had gone to Toastmasters. So I learned how to speak in front of people. I knew I was a good speaker. I'd done a lot of training inside Reed. So I knew I was a really good trainer. And I said, that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to help companies with employees who aren't getting the work done. I started speaking everywhere. I went to every breakfast group, every lunch group, every dinner group. And I got free meals. I mean, I had to pay for a meal for about a year. And I met a lot of people. And that's how I did it. I joined the National Speakers Association so I could have more contacts, more training. And I just networked like crazy. Mike, you told me you were the owner and the founder of Totally Accountable Systems. Uh, you really had no choice when you started the business. You had to do it. What were your goals when you started out, and how has your business evolved since then? Well, my goals initially, and still are, to help employees get the work done that they commit to do. And when companies had laid off so many people, the remaining employees still had the same amount of work to do. And what I kept hearing was, we're not getting the work done. Well, that's not accountability. I had the philosophy, every employee should be your best employee. So I figured if I put together a program that showed people how to get the work done that they committed to do, become more efficient, more effective, and that wasn't happening, and I knew how to help that to happen. As I continued doing these workshops, I realized that I was doing just a one-off training. I'd go in, they go, oh, Mike Scott, you're terrific, it's wonderful, and then people weren't really applying what they were learning because they had no follow-up. So I decided what I wanted to do is create a program that was longer term, that they could do at their own pace, and followed by an online implementation program. 
other trainers heard about this and said, I would like to conduct that program too. That's what I did. I told other trainers, you can absolutely conduct it. We set up a system to have that happen. And we now have offices in three cities. And we got offices in Portland, offices right near San Francisco and Carmel, and offices in Tampa. That was my goal. Help people become more efficient, more productive, and to be the best employee of the company. What time frame? When you started the company, what, what year was this? I started the company in 1984. Yes. So that was right after the oil bust. I remember right that. in the middle of it. You bet. Yep. When you started the business, did you bootstrap it or did you raise capital, either in the form of debt or equity? Well, at that time, in 1984, there wasn't any money around at all. The banks were having trouble. Everybody had trouble. And so I had to bootstrap it. You know, I'd saved about $10,000 and just over time. And in 1984, there was a lot of money. I mean, I was lucky if my house was only costing me about $400 a month. So nobody was giving any money at all. So I had to just, as you said, bootstrap it. I had to use my savings, but also because I was doing these talks, I was asked, having people call me and say, listen, can you do work for us? And I was starting to have an income show up. So that's how I've done it. So over the years, as this business has evolved, I'm sure you've done some really good things. Could you tell us about some of the great things you've done since you started the company? I will. First of all, I'll tell you this, and I don't say it by boasting, but I worked hard. I really did. And I told you, I spoke at every group I could think of in Houston. I was just, I became an in-demand speaker. I masterminded with people. I, I masterminded with you years ago to get ideas about how I should do this. I worked with CEO peer executive groups around the country and I got work. So I really worked hard. I traveled a lot. I did anything I could to get business and it worked. Yeah, you talk about traveling a lot. I know that you're probably the only guy I know that travels more than I do. Well, and I'm lucky. I get to travel and my wife has been able to go with me on the, a lot of trips. And so we've seen a lot of cities, been able to have a lot of fun. We talked about some of the good things you've done. Let me ask you this. Tell me one thing you've done during your career that if you had a chance, you would do it differently. I would take the advice of experts. And one of the, one of the first pieces of advice was get the work first. I've heard so many business stories of this. We sold something and we didn't even have it in hand. and We had to build it. Uh, the uh, mother of invention, right? Necessity. Um, I would have a plan, have a better plan and then say, all right, follow the plan rather than do it kind of uh, by the seat of my pants. Mike, I want to go back to something you said earlier. You had talked about the shift from in-person training to more of uh, virtual training. Tell me how you accomplished that. Well, I'll tell you, Seth, it was interesting. A few years ago, I was walking through the Charlotte airport, and I noticed all these people standing around, enthralled with what they were seeing. And I looked up, and inside of kind of a glass cage, I saw a woman playing a guitar, singing, and, and the crowd was there, and they were keeping time, and they were really engaged. And I thought, this is wonderful. So I'm up there doing the same thing they are, keeping time and enjoying it. I'm just so enthralled. And then when she finished, she smiled and everybody's clapping and she was gone. And I thought, this is amazing. That person's not even there and the crowd's into it. And I like that. And I saw that shift coming. I said, well, this could be me three or four or five years from now, the virtual side of it. So what we did is we took small training pieces and put them on our website so people could actually have access to it. We sent it to them in emails and they could actually learn something. We weren't there. 
So we did online implementation after we did an in-person training so that we could continue to be there. It's made such a difference for people because instead of doing the one-offs that we used to do, we now stay with people and make sure that the training actually gets in place. We created systems that they could make a virtual training work like a live training. We're there, we have interactivity, people are involved. People tell us, God, this went by so fast. And uh, it was just like you were right there. I don't know that the live training sessions are over. I don't know that the live convention talks are over. People still like that. People, I think, will still need it. But as far as training, I think a lot of it might, might well go on online. But we're doing the workshops online and people are having really good success with it. And it's interesting. I've been using Zoom for several years now myself. Um, I would send out meeting requests for folks to do a Zoom meeting and I would really run into some resistance. And what's going on in the world today, I've seen that resistance melt away in the last three or four months. So my question to you is, do you think this is a fad right now or do you think it's a permanent culture change? Well, about 20 years ago, what I saw was what you're calling the fad. Everybody was going to start working from home. There were whole companies dedicated to making sure that people work from home and they would set them up with offices and everything else. And then in the mid, by the mid-2000s, that had just all kind of dropped off and people came back to the workplace. But now, because we've become immersed in it, I mean, it's two, three months where people have been immersed, maybe even longer. I think people will now probably stay longer at it. Like you said, a lot of people are open to it now. They're available for it. And we'll say that to people when we're doing uh, proposals. We'll say, do you want to do this in person? Or you want to do it online? And people say, you know what, let's do it online. We're going to be good. So I don't, I'm going to say it's hard to predict where this is going to go. I mean, nobody can predict what's going to go happen right now. But what I think is, is along with you, there's going to be a lot more virtual work because people know how to do it. People become more skilled at it. That's what's necessary. Right. Let's stay with that for just a moment because I want to talk about the fact that more people are working from home right now. And again, I know even in my own company, there were managers that were very resistant to allowing employees to work from home. I've always been a big advocate of it, but uh, there were some of our managers who were dead set against it, said it wouldn't work. And now you look at what's going on in the workplace, including our company, People are working from home and they're doing so more efficiently than they were working in their offices. And so my question to you on this is, from a totally accountable standpoint, how do you train companies to be totally accountable when their employees are working from home? Systems become so important. The system, how are we working it? How are we applying it? And that's what I find is so many of, so often managers and supervisors don't people set people up with the system where they can be accountable and be successful. And there was a guy named W. Edwards Deming years ago, the quality movement guy. He used to yell at the managers. He'd say, don't make your employees wrong when you didn't set them up with a system to be successful. So I know you work with hundreds of CEOs and business owners. Have any of them ever shared with you issues they have when it comes to raising capital? They have, and it's not easy to raise capital, I, and I know that. And what I've found that's been most successful for people that I've worked with and that they've told me is they had to build the relationship with people that they might need money from sometime before they needed it. 
there's a, a book uh, written by a guy named McKay years ago. It said, dig your well before you're thirsty. <laughs> and that's what I've watched you do with over the years with people that you've worked with. They built that relationship with you. So when it was time that where they needed money, it was much easier to say yes than say no. Speaking of relationships, this is a good segue. Tell me about, I'm sure you've had some great mentors along your journey. Would you mind telling us about one or two of them? You know, it's interesting as you talk about that. There's a guy named Brad Weinbrum who's been a, just a wonderful mentor for me. This is a guy that I started working with about 18 years ago doing training for their company. And he continually used what we talked about, but also said, Mike, here's some ideas for your business. And he got really interested in my business. And so, in fact, he built his, took his company from $300 million to a billion dollars over those 18 years and sold it. And he's a consultant now, but he still provides guidance for me. There's a guy named Jim Jelinek, former CEO of a company called Move Floor Torque. They built uh, valves for submarines. Gave me ideas. I listen to them. I write them down. And then, of course, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to TED Talks because people have good things to say. And then some of the standards out there, some, these are older people, but the ideas are still good. A guy named Earl Nightingale. I think I listened to everything Earl Nightingale had. I listened to everything Jim Rohn had. And I think I've listened to everything that Zig Ziglar had. Three of the most successful people, good ideas. And I put them into place. That's great. What advice would you give a new entrepreneur just starting out? I would say, first of all, have a vision that you're willing to share. And then share that vision. Our vision is to make every employee your best employee. Then get customers. Do what it takes to get customers and then retain your customers. That's the problem with so many companies. They get them and then they lose them because they didn't keep their word. I had a friend of mine, I said, did you ever lose a customer? He says, yeah, we did. I said, did you get them back? And he says, yeah, we did. I said, did they tell you why? And he says, yeah, and I feel embarrassed. He said, we're coming back because you suck less. And it's so sad when we have to deal with somebody who really sucks, but that's so many people have to deal with the top of the barrel of the sucking list because there's so many people that don't keep their words. So if you become the most accountable company in your business, you're going to have more business than you ever need because people need that. They don't have to worry about somebody not keeping their word. So one thing that'll keep your business, keep your word. Second thing I'm going to tell you is save your money. Don't spend it because you're going to need it at some time at the worst time. Remember Murphy's Law. Save your money. Spend it where it's right. And then build relationships. Like I said with you, build relationships with people who can help you. And in your case, you're, you're a financial resource. Build those relationships. Great advice, Mike. I'm going to shift gears on you, actually, a 180. Tell me, what was the last movie you saw? Let me think. You know, it was The Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill. Uh, the one with Gary Oldman. Exactly. Yeah, that was a great movie. There was a guy who had a vision and yeah. stood firm. Not everybody liked him. Nobody wanted him around, but he stood firm, knew what he was doing. And when you watch that movie, it could be such an inspiration. Is there an album you are listening to today that you've been listening to your entire life? Well, not my entire life, but I'll tell you back in 1960, my sister gave me an album by Nat King Cole. And I didn't know what standards were. That time was just rock and roll, rock and roll. That's all it was. That was my music tastes were so limited. So that's my album. Love is a thing, Nat King Cole. 
as we wrap this up, is there anything I didn't ask you today that perhaps you would like to share with our audience? Some great experience, some great success story, or something I just forgot to ask. Whenever somebody tells you something, don't fight it. Just listen to it. You're being told it for a reason because there's so much resistance. And I, I've gone through that as well. And I've learned just to accept it, listen to what they have to say, neither use it or don't use it. But people have such great information if I just open my ears. Very well said. Well, Mike, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Oh, it's just my pleasure, Seth. I was honored that you picked me.